You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles with me. I hope everybody brought a Bible in one form or another, paper, electronic, some way, and also something to write with, something to jot down a couple of notes as things stand out to you today. Yeah, it's one of the, I think it's one of the most, one of the simplest, most powerful things that we can do is just hear and take a few notes and then come back to them later. It just, that was a very life-changing idea for us, but we're not all that bright. Uh yeah, and we want to welcome all the hundreds of thousands that are watching us on YouTube right now, all around the world. I think we've had one or two once in a while. You can pick these up, though. I know some of you do watch them later on YouTube, and that's great. Um, so this morning, I'm going to talk to you again about the subject of honor and humility. Humility and honor. The two go together. And I think I'm going to make a few statements up front Um, so that we get the, I want us to all be working from the same foundation, from the same set of thoughts as we're doing this. And if you were not here over the last couple of weeks, we began this subject two weeks ago. Um, I dove into it a little bit. And then last week, uh, Annie went into it again from a different angle, but very much complimentary. And I felt like it was actually one of the most anointed teachings that she's ever done. And I mean, her teaching is always good, but the presence of God was just so strong. I know this is something he's speaking to us about. I still don't feel like I know all the reasons for that. But he's really, the Spirit of God is emphasizing this to us as a body. So I know it's important. So I I want to take my time with it today. But so... And I, and I want to remind you of the context where we're working from. The, our main topic actually is uh, being sure that we make ourselves so that we don't become easy prey for the devil. We're looking at First Peter chapter five verse eight, which tells us that we have an enemy out there that that wants to ruin our lives. We looked at a number of things on that, and and we don't need to be. It says he's he's going around like a roaring lion seeking people he can devour. Well, we don't have to be the people that he can devour. We can build certain things into our lives that make our lives strong. It it says in there, that verse uh, tells us to be sober, to be watchful, to be alert. There's a lot of that language in the New Testament telling us to be awake, to be alert, to be aware of what's going on around us, to be able to evaluate our own thoughts and what's going on in our own hearts and and to be able to through the word through the spirit's influence in our life uh through um just developing uh, just being used to walking in the word of god and his thoughts and his ideas to become sharp about that to where we recognize when a thought is trying to enter into our life an idea a, a cultural phenomenon, something that people are believing and saying and moving in, when it's contrary to what God has for us, 
we want to be able to recognize that and reject those things. We don't need to make ourselves to just open our lives, whether it's through sin or whether it's just through believing lies. We don't need to open our lives and just make it easy for the devil to come in and devour in your life. We can make it real difficult for him. Uh, and I, I just... We've said a lot about that. So again, I encourage you to go back, catch up on some of these teachings. You can get CDs, you can do podcasts, you can watch it on YouTube, but I encourage you to get these teachings. So so we're that's our foundation verse, is 1 Peter 5, 8. And last week, we kind of went through the first uh, verses, the first, what, five verses, I guess, four verses in that chapter, just looking at some things that Peter gave us, some principles that Peter gave us just in those first verses. Uh, that would strengthen our lives and not make it easy for the devil to, to destroy in our lives. But then in verse 5, he begins to talk about humility. And he, he begins to, uh, and that's where we're going to go today. We're going to look at verses 5 and 6. But before I do that, before I even look at those, I want to explain the reason we are linking these two things together. Honor and humility, humility and honor. This is the way this works. We have to build humility into our lives, and we'll look at that in just a minute. It's not really necess- it's not natural, I don't think, to, to human beings without God. Uh, hu- humility is not very natural to us. Secondly, we have a lot of misunderstandings about what humility is. A lot of us think that humility is devaluing ourselves, and it's not. Um, but But when we when we build humility into our lives, it enables us to honor people, to honor God and to honor others. And and Annie talked about this quite a bit last week, that when we honor one another, when we honor what God is doing in one another, when we honor what God has done, when we honor the strengths, the spiritual gifts, the roles that somebody might have, when we honor those things, we position ourselves to receive from those things. She was talking about our receiving our inheritance from God and how we need to be able to honor God and honor one another because a lot of what God has for us comes through one another. And if you just think about this with me, if you don't honor someone, and what do I mean by that? What I basically... uh, Honoring someone, uh, the biblical term means you give weight to that person. And we even say that, don't we? I, I really put a lot of weight on what that person says. I mean, it's, a, it's something that we say. It means I respect what they say. When they say something, I want to listen. And, and that's a big part of what we're talking about here. When I talk about humility and honor, I'm not talking about receiving honor. I'm talking about our ability to give honor. Okay, but through giving honor, the biblical principle is we put ourselves in a position to to draw on that person, to receive from that person, whether that is God himself or whether it is to to one another. If, If I see a strength in your life, if I see Bonnie's passion for prayer, Okay, and I, and I see that in her, and I can see she has a she has it's a gift in her. It's it's more than just that she likes to pray. That God, it is a God thing in her that God has deposited in her. Well, if I will choose, even though I have a prayer life, 
Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't have a prayer life or I haven't learned some things about prayer, but what I'm saying is I see something special in this person. I can, I can receive from her by being, being here when there's prayer or by talking about prayer or by you know being around her, but honoring what she says and what she has about prayer. I might see somebody that has clearly God is working in them um, you might know somebody who, the way that they parent their children, that God is just all over the way that they parent their children, and you want what they have. And so the, the way that you would do that is you would put yourself in a position to receive from them. Jesus talked about this. He said, when you walk into a room and you, you go to a banquet don't put yourself in the position of honor. Don't go sit at the head of the table. And the way that would play out in our lives is if we walk into a room and we think, well, I know more than everybody else, or I have a better prayer life than everybody else, or I'm, you know, I'm more spiritual than everybody else, or whatever it is, we, we put ourselves in that position. Well, then why would we receive anything from anybody else? Instead, he said, take the lowest seat. In other words, put yourself in a position to receive from whoever's seated at the head of the table. In whatever situation it is, take the lower seat. And then along the way, God will raise you up seat by seat. He will bring you along seat by seat. But our attitude should always be one of, I have things to learn here. And, and humility does that. Humility keeps us teachable. It, it is an attitude of heart that, again, and I, I'll make this clear in just a second, I hope, but it is not devaluing yourself. It is not a sense of unworthiness. It is not any of that. It is a choice to lower yourself in order to serve or in order to, it puts you in a position to receive from another person in any number of ways. But, but this whole process, if you don't have humility, if instead you have arrogance, you have self-centeredness, you're not going to be able to honor somebody else for a whole bunch of reasons. I wish we had about four hours to go through this. I mean, there's so many insecurities that masquerade as pride and arrogance. There's so many things within us where we, where we are just not comfortable in our own skin, and so we're just not willing to just listen to somebody, to just receive from somebody, no matter what we have. No matter, this never ends. I don't care how high a position God might raise you to. We can always internally put ourselves in a position to receive and to hear from other people. Humility and honor. And those two things together will strengthen our lives tremendously and keep us from being easy prey for the devil. Whereas arrogance and self-centeredness and pride and those kinds of things, the Bible says pride goes before destruction goes right in front of destruction. Destruction follows pride. Okay, so uh, let's go on and actually I'm going to jump forward a little ways here. So let's jump down there in 1 Peter. I hope you found it by now. 1 Peter 5 verses 5 and 6. And Peter says this at this point. He says, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. All right, so this is talking right on this level. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. That's the way the New International Version reads. All right, so I want you to notice a couple things right away. This verse says, clothe yourselves with humility. Clothe yourselves with humility. And then it says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Okay, so where's the responsibility in that for humility? Who's responsible? Me, ourselves. Clothe yourself, humble yourself. I was thinking about this the other day that, um, you know, those of you that have kids, I'm sure that you can think back and remember the day that you're, or the stretch of time where your kids started clothing themselves instead of you picking out and putting on all their clothes. And and I was thinking about this the other day because on, I don't know, Monday or Wednesday, Andy's here on Mondays and Wednesdays, one or the other, uh, she came in and Harper had decided that she wanted uh, to wear Jordan's boots, uh, you know, to the office that day. She brings her in. She mostly sleeps in there. Thank you, Lord. And, uh, but, but anyway, so she had these, you know, little tiny, huge boots for her, and she kept walking out of them and stepping out of them. So it wasn't the best clothing choice, but it was what she chose, what she wanted to wear that day. And it was what she decided to put on. And we've always enjoyed, I mean, in this church, we always have a bunch of little kids running around and, you know, all the, Shirley mentioned it earlier, all the little princesses. I mean, they'll come in with these outfits. We never got to do that. I always wanted to dress up like a princess. Didn't you, Gary? I know you did. And, but, but I mean, when we were, you know, our, our parents pretty much they didn't lay my clothes out, but I knew what I was supposed to wear. But these days, I mean, there is a lot of freedom in there. And as long as it's appropriate, I think it's great. You know, the kids get to do that. But there's this transition that they go through where they learn to dress appropriately, whether it's for the weather or whatever the situation, it's a progression, but they do learn that there's appropriate dress and inappropriate dress and that kind of thing. And if you're not dressed for when it's 12 below zero, if you're still wearing your flip-flops, and and I mean, for some of you, it doesn't bother you, but uh, <laughs> I, I see it's not flip-flops, just shorts. Uh, but, but, you know, it's, you know it, it can be painful when you do that. But he's saying here, clothe yourselves with humility. And the, and the point I'm just trying to make is, it is our responsibility. Humility is chosen. It's not imposed. And the reason I say that is because a lot of Christians want it to be imposed. And we pray prayers asking God to impose it upon us or to, if we find that we have some, or we think we even might have some arrogance or some pride going on, we'll start praying prayers that say things like, break me, Lord. Or we'll pray that over other people. Break them. Break them, God. And, and, they'll, and, and they'll come up and want me to pray that prayer with them. Pray, pray that God breaks them. It's a fruitless prayer because it's contrary to the nature of God. Not that God won't, uh, as we make the choice, to desire humility, not that he won't empower that, but he does it by his grace. He does not just break people. That is a 
God is a restorer and a rebuilder. He wants to build humility into our lives, but he's not there to break us. And that is a huge deal in, in a lot of Christianity. People look at circumstances in their life and say, God sent that in to break me. He, he sent this disease. He sent this bad marriage, which is probably your fault in the first place. He sent this business uh, failure. He sent this thing to break me. He's breaking me. And we've gotten to where we we look at the, you know, if you look at these verses, it goes down and and in, I think it was up in verse four, I think we came to it last week, where it talks about that, you know, if you build these qualities into your life, then when the great shepherd comes back, you'll receive a crown of victory. You'll receive, there will be a victorious crown to your life as you build these things in. You won't be defeated. You won't be downtrodden. You'll be victorious. And and yet we've come to where when we think about giving a testimony. So often in Christian circles, the testimony is just about our brokenness. We think that's our testimony. Your brokenness is not your testimony. It's the beginning, but it is your restoration from brokenness that glorifies Jesus. Just the fact that you're broken just means you're a human being. That's all that means. But we've gotten to where when people want to give a testimony, you know, the, the scripture says they over, that we overcome, what, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Well, the blood of the lamb does not break us. It does not break us down. It does not, it is not there uh, to make our lives worse. It is not there uh, to destroy us and cause us to be downtrodden and all of that. It is there to redeem us and restore us. So we get into this whole mentality and we begin to think that humility means I am so unworthy. I am just, I'm not worthy of God's grace. I'm not worthy of God's love. You know, and honestly, join the club. God's love was never based on and never will be based on our uh performance. It'll never be based on our performance. It is based on Jesus' performance. And all any one of us can do is say, thank you for salvation. Thank you for lifting me up. Thank you for giving me, the scripture says, the power, the ability, the authority to become a child of God. We are not born as children of God. Contrary to popular cultural ideas, we're not born into this earth. We are creations of God. We're not children of God until we make Jesus the Lord of our life. And then we become children of God. And we are a part of his family. And, and we need to be able, a part of humility is actually being able, without any sense of unworthiness, to recognize that we have needs, reach out for help, and say thank you when somebody meets that need. When God meets a need, instead of going off and saying, I'm just unworthy, I don't deserve this. If that's what you're feeling and that's what you're sensing and that's what's going on in your life, I'm not here to criticize you. I'm not here uh, to put you down. But what you need to understand is that is not humility. That is shame and condemnation. And Jesus already carried that for you. We should be able to walk around with our heads up, not in pride, just in gratitude and in the fact that, wow, I'm a child of God. No, I didn't deserve it, but Jesus did it for me. And I'm just thrilled about it. And I'm okay with it. He decided it. 
It wasn't something I twisted his arm to do. He offered it. I received it. Okay? Humility is not this sense of... Um, of unworthiness. I don't, I don't know exactly how else to say that, but it's, the scripture goes on to say that we, it says we should clothe ourselves with humility. So it's something we intentionally choose and we intentionally think about. And, and I encourage you, um, you know, this doesn't have to be your prayer every single day, but I think it should be a part of our makeup to think about, okay, I am putting on humility today. I am not going to go out thinking that I have all the answers. I'm not going to go out thinking that there's nothing I can learn from anybody else. I'm not going to go out thinking that I've got it all right and people who don't agree with me are just evil. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to go out there with that attitude in my heart. I'm going to clothe myself with humility. And I'm going to accept the fact that I have my own set of weaknesses, my own set of faults, but that doesn't go into a sense. I'm, I'm okay with that. God knows that. He's going to work on those. We're in this together. But I'm, I'm going to approach him and approach others with this sense of I'm, I'm going to be teachable. I'm going to be humble. I'm not going to rise up in pride and arrogance. Does that make sense to you? It says here that he opposes, that he resists the proud, but gives grace, and the idea there is he multiplies grace to the humble. Okay, he opposes the proud. I think I told you this last time we talked about it. That means, that word opposes means to set in battle array against. He sets himself in battle array against pride and arrogance. Right now, our culture is steeped in arrogance. It is steeped in a, an extreme, God loves freedom, no question about it. But we are steeped in an extreme self-reliance. We are, we are an extreme independence. You know, I, I believe in that God calls for us as individuals to be free, to have liberty. But all of that is supposed to be held in the context of living for another person's good, agape love. It is supposed to be held in this context. We don't use our freedom badly. We don't use our freedom to hurt other people. Freedom is wonderful once that way, but, but we're getting to the place, and again, I, I think we see it more and more as, as God is removed from our culture, to where it's just about me, what's convenient, what's expedient. You know, and Paul said that, he said, you know, all things are, are open to me, but they're not all expedient. They're not all profitable. And I, I'm not going to just do everything I could do because it's not all profitable. It's not even all what God wants for my life. So we need to hold all of that in the context of an eternal accountability, first of all, that we do give an account for our life. And then within the, that sphere of agape love, of trying to serve and love and help people to grow. And, you know, I, I just, I don't even know if I want to get off in this. I just, just had this conversation. Some of you saw it on Facebook because I posted something about it last night, but 
that was in this conversation, trying to have a just sort of a reasonable conversation with somebody about the issue of abortion yesterday. And it was just, I'm, I'm glad, honestly, I, I really believe in those scriptures that say to think of others more highly than ourselves and to consider others' interests. And, and so I, I am often surprised. I don't consider myself to be a naive person, but at the same, I've got a background for sure. But at the same time, sometimes the callousness of our society and where we've gotten to is just, it's just shocking. And whether that's to me or whether I'm just feeling the grief that God feels, I don't know. But but this young man and his girlfriend, anyway, it was about abortion. And it was just about his, he believes that he even went so far as to define a baby in the womb as a parasitic organism and that any woman should have the freedom to get rid of a parasitic organism, you know, in her body if she wants to. And and that, you know, things like that. I mean, it was so far out there. And it wasn't somebody just trying to be in your face. This guy genuinely believes what he was saying, you know. And, and he equated the demand that that baby would put on the mother and on her body and on what she does. I mean, it does. When you're pregnant, you do different things, you you know, I mean, there's a, there's a demand, there's a physical demand, there's an emotional demand, there's all of that, it's placed on that person. He equated that with slavery. One person, all of a sudden, the parasite became a person. The one person putting this demand on another against their will. And it was like that. I mean, it was a very dark conversation. And it just, I, I was looking at that and what I was, you know, coming out of this teaching, I was thinking about, it was so self-centered. It was so, it basically was just, you know what? If, you know, we're going to be careful, me and my girlfriend, we're going to be careful. But if we get pregnant, it's inconvenient for us. We're just going to, of course, he wouldn't say kill that baby, but kill that baby because it's inconvenient for us. It was all about me. That is where, I'm not going to say all of it, but that is where a large part of our culture has gone. And the reason I bring that up this morning is not to depress everybody to send us out into the week, but because we are surrounded by these messages all the time, all the time. And I think it's really easy for us to slip into a level of self-indulgence, self-centeredness that we don't want to have, even if it's not about that. When you're in, it's kind of the frog in the boiling water thing, you know. Uh, you know, when you're in that culture, it's easy for it to seep to the inside. So I think it's really important for us, since God opposes the proud, for us to be sure we're not getting into pride or arrogance or self-centeredness, self-absorbed. And let me say this just real quickly. I've got to go on to this, give you this list of things that might help you with these terms. If we are into self-depreciation, self-devaluation. That's what we think about. That's what we talk about. How unworthy I am, how uh, all of my faults, all of my weaknesses. That is just as self-centered as somebody who is into what we would call pride or arrogance, and I've got it all together, and I just think about me. If you're, if you are, as a Christian, a redeemed, born-again, 
believer who is a child of God, if you are steeped in the idea and what you think about and what your testimony is, is just how unworthy you are, that is just as self-centered and self-absorbed as if you were telling everybody how great you are and how you have it all together. It's, it's two opposite ends of the same thing. So our conversation and our inward conversation needs to be about what God has done. And we need to maintain this openness to learn and to hear, you know, to hear what is the Spirit of God saying and to take in what he's saying and to be willing to hear and to listen to people that we don't necessarily like that much. You know, we're not best friends or we we don't like some uh, aspect of, you know, of their person. And yet it's a brother or a sister in Christ. And we have this spiritual agreement going on. We need to elevate that. We need to be able to draw on each other and honor that person, honor God in that person in order to receive from that part of their nature. Is this making any sense to you? All right, let's look at these. We've got a few minutes left. Let's let's just go through some of these, some of this terminology and talk about it. So Arrogance is an attitude of superiority or extreme self-reliance. And that's, I think, where I see it the most. You know, it's just, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And it doesn't matter what anybody else does or how what I do affects anybody else. I'm, I'm just, it's all, it's all me. I'm totally self-reliant. It's not how God designed us to live. Uh, you know, there's not one part of your body that's not dependent on other parts of your body. There's not one part of your body that can exist by itself. And Jesus says we're a body. So it's an attitude of superiority or extreme self-reliance, often accompanied by a disdain for others who are perceived to be inferior. And you get this a lot. And if you're out on social media and you're making any kind of statement for God, you're going to get this. Just blow it off. But you're going to get this. You're going to get this superior intellect, you know, and that's what I got yesterday was, well, your archaic ideas, you know. Yeah, they're timeless ideas is what they are. They're not archaic. They're not old. Truth doesn't change. But anyway, I I got out of it before I got, I was really determined to get out before I left the place of grace. So anyway, uh, that's what arrogance is. And the thing is, you might know more than another person. You may have greater skill than another person. But if you become arrogant about it, then that's a problem. You're going to find God's going to resist. You might be the very best at something that God needs to have done. But if you're arrogant about it, he's going to find somebody with a humble heart and do it through them. It's just the way it is. He's going to resist the proud, but he's going to give tremendous grace, ability, right? God's ability to do what we could never do and be what we could never be. That's what grace is. Undeserved, he's going to give grace to the humble. If you want to flow in grace, if you want to flow in God's ability, put on humility, okay? And we just see, you know, elitism is just rampant in this country on both sides of the political aisle. And I'm telling you, we've really got to watch it if we want to live for the kingdom. So that's what arrogance is. Humility is an attitude of deference. Okay, that means respect that's due to a superior. Boy, we hate that. We're Americans. Superior. Who's superior? Not superior in value. Superior in that they've got something, know something, can do something, flow in something that you don't have. And so it's in your brain that you go, you know what? That is 
awesome and I want to receive from I want to draw on that. I'm never I'm not trying to be them. I'm not trying to get it, I'm not trying to get all Bonnie's prayer passion so she doesn't have it anymore. Not at all. But I want to put a draw on those traits in people. So it's respect that is due to a superior or submission. Voluntary submission is voluntarily yielding to another person. A lot of guys, Christian guys, think that the Bible just, the only verse they know on submission is, wives, submit to your husbands. That's it. That's how it's supposed to go. They don't realize it started before that saying, believers, submit one to another, including your wife. She's a believer first, before she's your wife. So submit, yield yourself voluntarily to the strengths in each other. All right. Humility voluntarily takes a lower rank or place, usually by showing respect or honor to this other person. Okay. So again, superiority and rank or position, not in value. We're all of the same value before God. Does that make sense to you? You still out there? Uh, humility enables us. And I talked to you about this. I'm glad I talked about it at the beginning. Humility enables us to honor people, okay, to give weight to their words, to their influence, to their presence, to their knowledge, to the gifts that are in them. It enables humility. Without humility, you'll never be able to honor somebody, and you'll miss that whole spiritual dynamic of putting a draw on the grace that's in somebody else's life. One of the biggest expressions of humility is just being teachable and being willing to learn, being willing to repent, being willing to say you're sorry, those are all aspects of humility, okay? If you have a real hard time deferring to somebody, to anybody of higher rank, position, experience, gifting, if you struggle with that all the time, you're struggling with arrogance. You have an arrogance problem. So take it before the Lord. He wants to swap that out for some humility, okay? Pride is very often, we see it as pride, it's often just an outward expression of inward insecurities. A lot of times when somebody acts really prideful and arrogant and they've got it all together, honestly, they're just, if you'll go to God and pray for them, he'll start to show you they're just really scared on the inside. They've never learned how to be wrong. They've never learned how to not know something. They've never learned how to receive from somebody else and they're really scared. And it'll give you a whole different perspective and allow you to to handle that. So let me give you a few verses here. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, it says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. With humility comes the wisdom of God. That is so good. Proverbs 15, 33 says, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honor. You're not going to be able to honor people until you build humility into your life. Proverbs 22.4 says, Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. So let me just give you, I just need to make a few more statements here. Um, These are just kind of the voices. If If you listen to yourself, you listen to your own heart, you listen to other people, the voices of pride and humility, okay? Pride says, I'm my own source, my own resource. I don't need any outside help. All right, I don't, I don't need anything. 
Pride makes it next to impossible for you to receive. And this was an interesting thing when we were first coming into the church. There were a lot of people that would, that would say, oh no, he's, he's very humble. He won't take a gift. It's, the, it's pride that won't receive a gift. Can't receive a gift because it can't admit it has a need. And, and so it'll just keep you from receiving. Arrogance says, I, I've got to, I don't need any outside help. Okay. Humility easily receives a gift and is just genuinely grateful. It always humility it just leads right into gratitude. And we've talked often about how what how powerful gratitude in our life is. Humility is not a sense of unworthiness. Okay. Humility recognizes the abilities of others that we don't possess without feeling unworthy or devalued. Now, I've had this before where we've maybe said thank you to somebody or honored somebody and somebody else will feed, feel devalued because that person was told thank you. And I just find that sad. I think it's very sad because we weren't, there was no value thing going on. This morning, we thanked the worship team for the great job they did. There was no reason for any of us to feel devalued because we weren't part of the worship team, you know. But it, those things will come up in people's hearts, and it and it just shows there's a uh, there's a there's a problem there. They're they're feeling unworthy. It's it's shame or or something like that at work in their life. Okay, humility just enables you to be real confident um, about your own abilities and things without being arrogant about it. Okay, another one. Arrogance preempts gratitude because gratitude recognizes that you have a need. You're not going to be thankful unless you realized I had a need and somebody supplied it. Now I'm thankful. Okay, so if we get into arrogance, it just preempts gratitude. Okay, humility gives honor to others and again positions itself to draw upon their strengths and their graces. All right, here's another one. Arrogance this is huge, promotes an entitlement attitude. Promotes an entitlement attitude because arrogance says, I'm superior, I'm better, so I'm entitled. You should do this, you should give this, you should do this for me, I deserve it. That's arrogance, okay, it promotes an entitlement. I have a superior intellect, I'm, I'm, I deserve, I'm in a higher position, I deserve recognition, I deserve... I deserve re, uh, applause, promotion, whatever it is. Arrogance will promote an entitlement attitude. Humility knows it doesn't deserve, but receives freely. Okay, a couple more. Arrogance thwarts the flow of grace and favor. All right, because both of those things are undeserved. Arrogance, it, it thinks it deserves stuff. Arrogance wants to deserve stuff. Arrogance will put you into a position to, to try to do religious works again to earn things from God. It'll take you right out of, out of grace, all right? Because everything that comes from God is freely given. The only way we can receive it is to say thank you. It's, it's the only thing that we can do or you can reject it, all right? Arrogance blames others, okay? Because it can't be my fault. I'm superior, all right? Can't be my fault. Refuses to take responsibility for a problem. Can't be my fault. I do everything right. Can't be me. Humility welcomes the challenges to grow that come from God. So in other words, it, it values repentance and change and growth with no sense of unworthiness. Wow, I blew it, God. Oh, that's not a nice thing in me, God. Help me with that. Humility is able to do that without a sense of unworthiness. 
We're, we're not basing things on that, okay? We need to, I'll just wrap it up, just make this one statement to you and we're done. So Peter goes on and he says, so humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time, he will lift you up. And invariably, you know, I have people ask, well, you know, how long is due time, <laughs> you know? My answer to that is God will, lift you up. You take that lower seat, you put yourself there to learn, whatever. God will honor you and raise you up and give you greater position or authority, whatever it might be, as that position or authority or thing is not going to kill you, or you are not going to use it to kill others. Okay, when you have the character to handle a higher position, a, a greater amount of something, when you have the position or the integrity and the character to handle that without it destroying you and without you mishandling it and destroying others, God will give it to you. I, th I think God wants everybody to be moved forward and into a higher position to have greater resource in their life to bless others. But we've got to be growing inwardly for that to take place. Does this make sense to you? All right, let's just go ahead and stand up and pray. I have a lot more I could say about that, but I think you're done. So let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Well, Father, I just bring this whole issue before you this morning. And for every one of us, if there are areas in our lives where either, and I honestly think it's more likely that we've moved into a place of shame or condemnation or a sense of unworthiness, if we've had that kind of confusion about what humility is, then Lord, I am asking you by your Holy Spirit to clarify that to us, to speak your word to us, to, to uh, imprint upon our hearts who we are in you without any sense of pride. We didn't earn it. But Father, that we would know who we are in you, that we would know that all you have Lord, belongs to us through Jesus Christ, that we could step up into that place of resource and that place of ability, Father, and, and all along the way maintain a humble attitude in our hearts. And Father, if there are other places in our lives where we have moved over into arrogance or pride, where we have begun to look down on other people and think of ourselves as superior, then Father, I do ask, Lord, you bring conviction in those areas. And Father, show us how, how to respond and how to act and how to pray, Father, for, for other people, Father, how to get along with people that, that, Father, we don't agree with at all. But how can we serve them? How can we love them? How can we, the best possible way for us to bring you to them? Lord, we ask you to show that to us. And we just open our hearts to you knowing that you love us. We thank you for that, Father God. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to learn to honor the gifts in one another, to honor the offices that you have given, to honor the, just the brothers and sisters and, and what you are doing in them, Father, to honor those things so that we can receive that flow of life and grace from you. We just thank you for that this morning, Lord, that we would be a people of humility and honor we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to say this on the count of three. We're going to say Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. And then in about 10 minutes, we're going to come back in here and have our meeting if you're hosting uh, a uh, family table group. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be the church.
Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.